Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Tuesday, May 30th. It is five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. That's Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find us both on Twitter. He's at Rob M. Kendall. And I'm at Casey Daniels 317. Okay, so it was May 24th when Ron DeSantis announced he was running for president on Twitter with Elon Musk stumbled just a bit but now he plans to kick off his campaign in iowa today he's going to visit 12 cities in three states it's like a stand-up comedian you know when they work out the material they got to go on the road see what works what doesn't work he's going to start in des moines and then end in cedar rapids isn't it a pretty flawed process though that so the governor of florida has to go halfway across the country and spend the majority of his time in a state that maybe or maybe not he could have found on a map five years ago, right? I mean, obviously, Ron DeSantis probably could have found Iowa on a map. But the point on this is the the whole process to me is just stupid that Iowa and New Hampshire, in the case of New Hampshire, not even a Republican state. At least Iowa is now a reliably red state. I mean, it wasn't. It was, Obama won it. You know, that's how recent that was. But at least it is now, you know, it's got two Republican senators. It has a Republican governor. It is, you know, for whatever that means. But New Hampshire is not even a Republican state. It is mostly d- Democrats mm-hmm. in, in terms of elected office. And yes, South Carolina is a Republican state. But it's like you put all this effort into this one state and everybody else just kind of gets ignored. I mean, in, in my life, there's only been one time Indiana has ever had any sort of meaning, and that was 2016, where both the Democrat and Republican races were still left amazingly undecided. But you cut literally, I mean, it, it's so rare that the thing goes past Super Tuesday. You're cutting half the country out of the process. Yeah, on election night, Indiana is always one of the first ones to be called. We're calling Indiana four. Yeah, but in terms, I'm saying even in the primary, it's like there's no, at least (laughs) uh, not in terms of governance, but in terms of actual voting, Indiana is one of the most red states in the entire country. Mm -hmm. And we have no say in 90, 95% of the time on who the president not the presidential nominee is. I mean, to me, this is just a ridiculous way to pick a president. Okay, well, a lot of people are saying that Ron DeSantis has a big hill to climb to get people to overcome Trump to pick him uh did you see mike pence by the way he was in iowa he's back in indiana uh, apparently he spent memorial weekend riding his motorcycle around the state well good good for him <laughs> hopefully he keeps riding his motorcycle around the state and is not does not believe these idiots around him the gravy train people who tell him that he has a chance to be president of the united states and he just continues to just ride his motorcycle and maybe he'll just go in a straight line to the Pacific Ocean and he'll just keep on going. Well, in Florida, Ron DeSantis, he's made some moves. He's in a virtual dead heat now with Trump in Florida. Isn't this fascinating? So it turns out, Casey, again, least favorite part of every show where you have to tell people, I have to tell people when I'm right. But what did I say 
for weeks on end. You mean the guy who's not yet running for president isn't doing as well as the guy who has been campaigning for the past two years? What? <laughs> and so within basically a week in mm -hmm. the same poll of DeSantis declaring he's running for president, less than a week, that was Thursday, I think he declared, this is, or Wednesday, whatever, this is Tuesday, he has now made up, there was a 14-point lead Trump had in Florida. Now, according to this new poll, it is a dead heat. That's a lot of ground that the guy has made up, but it turns out when you actually start running for president, people will say that they will vote for you for president. Okay, so are these going to stick? Are these numbers going to stick for DeSantis? Is this just the knee-jerk? Is this the bump he's getting? Or will it continue to grow over time? Well, it's his home state, and yeah. he's done a great job. He just overwhelmingly won re-election, so people clearly like him. So it makes sense that he would make up ground in his home state. Is he going to be tied or leading in national polls no, but what do we say, Casey? Wait till Father's Day. Mm -hmm. If by Father's Day, Trump still has a 15, 20-point lead on DeSantis, then that's probably troublesome. But if it's 10 points or less by Father's Day, well, now we've got ourselves a ball game, and it's anybody's ball game. And I think Ron DeSantis will do, especially in Iowa, because you got to look where the guy is spending his time and his resources. Trump has a national profile. He's had a national profile. But if in Iowa, it's, a, you know, within a couple points either way, then DeSantis is right, right absolutely where he, he needs to be. Does California matter anymore? It matters from the Super Tuesday electoral votes. It also matters from the fundraising. You know what I, I um, kind of compare DeSantis to? If you watch the Indy 500 or listened in this case in a, you know, in the blackout area, you heard Joseph Newgarden start at the middle of the pack. And very early on, what happened? He got a big bump, and he moved way up, and he was very quickly in the top 10. And then strategically throughout the race, he had moved his way to the front of the pack. And he was in a position that by the very end, he was able to put his foot on the gas mm -hmm. and blow past Erickson and win the Indy 500. That's where DeSantis is. What did he start? He's starting 20 points back. He's not going to make it all up in a week. I don't expect that by Father's Day, DeSantis is going to be ahead of Trump. But if very Joseph Newgarden-esque, hey, I've gone from 20, and now it's 15. And then two weeks later, now it's 12. And then a week after that, now it's 10. You're moving in the direction. The same way Joseph Newgarden was not leading the Indy 500 at 50 laps in, but he was in a great position to be able to finally pass at the end. And it ain't where you start. It's where you finish. Well, absolutely. In California, Donald Trump is still leading at 44%. Ron DeSantis has 18%. In Florida, they're tied 38% each. And many people are saying that Florida is the winner-takes-all state. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter. you got to get Florida. And at this point... Well, they're they're right there. They're neck and neck. It's for it's forever. Photo finish. It, the big thing will be the debates, because if Donald Trump does get on the stage with Ron DeSantis and if they can weed out these other also Rams, mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's probably let's see, there's probably three people right now, I would say, who are actually declared candidates for president. Tim Scott, Nikki DeSantis, Haley. Well, no, I'm not including no, Nikki. Not I don't include Nikki. I say Tim Scott. Mm -hmm. DeSantis and Trump, okay. who I would say, if you were going to have a stage, you put those three on a stage together, and then the other goobers can have a JV game or uh, <laughs> I'm playing for this cabinet position game or whatever you want to call it. You know, Vivek and mm -hmm. Nikki Haley. And, and uh, I mean, Nikki Haley's been running for months now. And let's face it, if you've been running for months and there's been no tangible movement, 
then you're you're sorely lacking. So you put those three on a stage together, you could cut through the bull crap. Everybody wants to see these two guys go at it. DeSantis it's a title and fight. Trump. Right. Yeah. You know, nobody cares what Vivek Ramaswamy thinks about anything. Nobody cares what Aza Hutchinson thinks about anything. We, you know, it, again, it's a great, you made a great example there. If you go to the, the you know, in the 1980s, if you went to see Mike Tyson fight, there were a bunch of undercards. Yeah, okay, this is entertaining. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay, it's free. Mm -hmm. It's free entertainment. It's all, you know, other than the, the betters. Everybody's here to see Mike Tyson. Right. Fight whoever, right? It's just like the Kentucky Derby. Exactly. On Derby Day, there's 14 other races yeah. before the Kentucky Derby. Everybody's there for that one race. Now, Trump, yesterday was Memorial Day, mm -hmm. and uh, Trump, well, he put something out on Truth Social Media, and everybody can use their own social media as they best see fit, and I think are the people who have fought and died in this country would absolutely support People having freedom of speech on their uh, social media platforms. I think they would uh, support people being critical of their government and spending their time being critical of their government because that's what they fought and 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 perished for. However, if you are the front runner for president of the United States for a major major political party, I think you're probably held to a different standard than the rest of the country. Does that make me an unreasonable person? Mm -mm. Okay, very good. So if I were the front runner for president, I might put out something like, hey, God bless all the people who perished and you know for this country. We thank you for your service. Today's a day to honor and right. remember. And look, there's lots of po political people. I was pointing out yesterday, t tweeting about the debt ceiling and the hypocrisy of these people, because I would think people who fought and died for this country would want that. That's what they fought and died for. But I'm also not the front runner for president of the United States in a major political party. And boy, Trump, Trump, uh, Trump said a lot. Should we have a dramatic reading? I think so. Okay, this was in all caps. Of course it is. All of it, every single letter, all caps. Is are you he, are you ready? Shouting at us. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. And I... Happy Memorial Day to all, but especially to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for the country they love and to those in a line of very different but equally dangerous fire stopping the threats of the terrorists, misfits, and lunatic thugs who are feverishly, who are working feverishly from within to overturn and destroy our once great country, which has never been in greater peril than it is right now. We must stop the communists, Marxists, and fascist pigs at every turn and make America great again! Exclamation points. I think it's the very first line that is the worst for me. Happy Memorial Day to all, but especially those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for the country. Happy Memorial Day. Look, all I'm going to say is the all caps thing is very hard to read it whilst is, doing right? the Trump it voice. It, it makes is. it just, it's very hard yeah. to read and all. I mean, 
This is unhinged stuff from the guy who wants to be president, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When we talk about on this show about how Trump deliberately alienates people that he doesn't need to and he doesn't gain anything by doing, this is what we're talking about. And I know there's people out there, well, he's speaking the truth. It doesn't alienate me. You're already voting for him. When you're running for president and you have a viable shot to be the president of the United States, everything you do, you have to think of, does this help me? Mm-hmm. Who does this bring into the tent? And who does this alienate? This isn't a policy thing that he's talking about here. He's being an ass, Casey, mm-hmm. deliberately. <laughs> he's not getting more people through the door with this. This is And what, that's what he needs to do. This is what we're talking about when we talk about why we have moved on. Because he has so little control. This doesn't help him. It's not a policy position. It's not It's not talking about how he's going to make the country better. It's a self-grandizing, self-serving post. It's really not even a pro-American no. post either. I mean, he does say make America great again, but that's his branding. I you, just, you'd expect that. All right, let's take a break. I know you've got trending stories. And then uh, I want to get into... Um, it's a very interesting story about how more high schoolers than ever are now skipping college. I mm-hmm. think this is fascinating how people are finally waking up to well, what a scam college actually is. Well, and Kevin McCarthy with the debt ceiling, the budget deal, they're getting rid of the student loan transfer. Yes. Yeah, we can talk about that as well because there that is actually – well, that's an interesting thing. Well, I was going to say a good thing, but it's sort of – we'll get into it when we come back. Okay. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 21 minutes after 10, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So how did you spend Sunday? Were you listening to the race? Were you at the race? It was a beautiful day to be out at the track. Tony Kanan raced his last as an IndyCar driver. He says this is not goodbye. Just a see you later. Joseph Newgarden, is this the moment when the pain ends? Well, that's the call of the win of the Indy 500. (laughs) That's Joseph Newgarden winning. So you were there. Yes. And that, and I maintain, at least from an outsider's perspective, listening in, Mm -hmm. that's one of the most exciting Indy 500 races that I can remember in modern history. Unless you're one of the other drivers. There was a little bit of controversy over the, you know, that last lap. They were upset about that. Well, sure. So let's let's play this out. So you're a fan. You're there. You were Mm -hmm. there with your mans. Mm -hmm. How many people came up needing autographs? All of them. uh, All 300,000 of Uh, them. And I know it was very exciting. I was very busy. As a fan Mm -hmm. there, because Mm -hmm. ultimately this is a business, right? Because I know people are critical of, oh, you know, Erickson got screwed and blah, blah, blah. As a fan, you're the Mm -hmm. customer. You're the paying customer. You don't want to see that race in under yellow. You don't want want some guy to coast into victory lane at 50 miles an hour. Right, going slow. Right. You've been there for, you know, you guys got there, you woke up at who knows when and got there when and you sat outside for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You want to see it end under green. Right, exactly. I I, I think it's totally sour grapes from Erickson and his people. And I know he was whining and complaining about it and everything else. But I, I just maintain they absolutely made the right call because you're in a customer business. And that would be, racing is one of the only sports where you don't 
you you might not play to the final buzzer. Like it's like in foot, you know, football. You're still trying to score touchdowns. You're still trying to win the game. Mm -hmm. It'd be like on the final drive if they said, "Well, the game's over and the Chiefs just uh, you know, you you uh you automatically win just uh, run the ball the final 2 minutes." On the, you know, no. Somebody you play till the buzzer yep. and I think they absolutely made the right call to have that thing in their green. Yeah, it was neat to see him in that last lap make his move and go in for the win and congratulations to him. He sat a, he sat in round fifth place, the fifth car for a long time and just slowly over time just kept boop 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 moving up. Uh of course our our our, our guy Stingray Rob. Uh. Poor Stingray. I noticed I noticed in the parade on Saturday, you know, when they have all the drivers out on the cars and they were with their wives and their girlfriends and Stingray was there with his mom and dad. Yeah. It was it was nice to see that. Um but also Tony Kanan raced his last yes. race and uh he he seemed very grateful and thankful to all the fans and everything that he uh experienced over the years. Do we have that, Jason? Yeah, okay. Let's hear from Tony Kanata. What a day. What a race. You guys, these fans, they, they made me feel very special, and I think I'll, I'll take that forever. So the coming back part, I don't think I want to spoil the moment that I had. So to do that, I think I'll just I'll come back here, but as a spectator. We'll see. Right? Is that a, is that a I don't know, maybe. Is he going to do a Tom Brady? Well, I mean, and it may not even be next year. You know, maybe you sit out a year and you get the itch or whatever. But, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, by the way, won $3.6 million for winning the race. I heard this driving in this morning. This is a great question. I have no idea. When they say Joseph Newgarden won, and maybe somebody who knows can answer, you can either call the hotline, 317-684-8444. You can let us know in the YouTube chat. Is that the team... Or does it actually, I mean, because the, obviously or the, does te it go to him? the teams are in it to make money. Mm -hmm. They're making something off of this. It is a business. So when they say he got $3.6 million, does As that mean he got that? Or does it mean that's what the oh. team got? Or is there is an, is there an additional, uh, is there like, you know, the driver gets this and then there's something on top. $3.6 is a lot of money. Yeah, it is. So that's got to be the team, so no right? Wonder his there's, wife no way, was crying. there's no way Joseph Newgarden <laughs> walked out of there with 3.6 mil in a briefcase. Right? <laughs> no. So if anybody knows that, if you could just let us know, I'd be I'd be fascinated to know what the actual deal on that is. Okay, it is uh, 1025. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Do you want to talk about this new survey that says that high school students are uh, not going to college as much as they used to? I love this because high school or a college for many people is a useless giant scam to extract money from you and for many people they will never use the degree and certainly it will not be able to be monetized based on what a modern day college education costs and people are wising up to this and either they don't need anything or what is i think becoming more and more prevalent and and well done is it's a it's a you know a trade school of some sort. Mm -hmm. It is a certification of 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 some sort that will enable you to go forward. I work with someone who is who is college age, and they are interested in entering the uh, the dental field. They don't want to be an actual dentist because of all the cost and liability. And this person figured out I can get everything I need via certification, mm -hmm. and my current employer. If I agree to stay for a certain period of time because she is working in the dental industry, we'll pay for that. And 
great. I'm making money. I'm getting these certifications paid for, and I'm not accruing any debt. And I think people are just wising up to this. Yeah, they say more people are going to focus their emphasis on career training and post-college employment um, if they decide to go to school, not go to school. It's HR, a lot of human resources departments. That's their that's their first first glance at a resume. It's an easy thing they can say: college degree, no college degree. And but that's happening less and less. They say if you have ten thousand hours at something, you're an expert at yeah. it. So maybe your friend there with the dental, ten thousand hours, they'll be expert level. I've never been asked to show my college degree. I have, and I it. it Did somebody actually actually asked you? Can I see your college degree? They wanted to know about it and. Yeah, it, it, it eliminated me from a position because I didn't have the level that, no they, kidding. Yeah, that they wanted. Huh, that's pretty wild. Uh, all right, voicemails. Yeah. It's coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. 317-684-8444. That's the phone number if you'd like to contribute to the voicemails. Questions, comments, and smart remarks at 1032 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Okay. Uh, so Sunday was the Indy 500. Mm-hmm. As we talked about last segment, it did end on somewhat controversial fashion. Yeah. And one gentleman was none too pleased with that. And we are the place to voice your frustration. So let's give him a forum. As my birthday falls on May 26, I was born in 1961. My brother was born in 68. We are race kids. His birthday was the 24th of May. My parents used to score A.J. Foyt with the Smothers Brothers. I gave up going to the track because I got tired of Pinsky winning every race. Mm. I listened to the race yesterday after enjoying a wonderful birthday on Friday. And I see the same results. Ferrucci should have won the race, I believe. Or, or I believe his name is Award. Why does it always come down to Roger Penske winning a race by yellows or what have you? New Garden was unheard of all day. Although I like him, he's an American driver. Please help me out with my sorrows. Please tell me it's not rigged like everything else. Well, look, I am not a racing expert by any stretch. In fact, the one race I consume each year is the Indy 500. I will tell you this, though. New Garden has uh, been long been entering Indy 500s as one of the favorites. He's won the series multiple times. This was... You know, I heard it described last week as the, his white whale. Mm-hmm. He's one of the premier drivers in the sport. He had moved up all throughout the day. He started in the middle of the pack and, as we talked about, aggressively moved his way up. And I think in order for you to believe it's a conspiracy, then you'd have to believe that Roger Penske somehow got on the horn with various other drivers and said, put on the brakes. Yeah. Hey, screw you and your ambition. (laughs) Why don't you just go ahead and get in a wreck so that I can win this thing at the end? And again, I know people are all over the map on, on, uh, 
the way it ended should have been a yellow, should have been a red, you know, or should have been green. I look again as a consumer of I'm I'm a consumer of the product. I'm not embedded in the sport. I will tell you that the people I was with when it was going on universally were excited that it was ending under green instead of yellow. Mm -hmm. You are a business. You are there to make money. I think it just was a stroke of good luck, but, you know, everybody's got their own opinion. You want to see them driving fast when they cross that finish line. And you know what? I get what he's saying that for years it was Penske who won Penske's team, but let's also keep in mind without Penske, they're may not be an Indy 500 anymore. Well, and again, also remember that, I mean, weird things happen throughout the course of the race. Renus VK, T-Bones, Palo, and heck, Palo made a charge at the end anyway, as did VK. I mean, you have to buy into, oh, there was a conspiracy that VK was going to hit Palo and Bob. I mean, it's just, I mean, come on. <laughs> and are we going to pick next year's winner based on how their sour grapes were in the post-race interview? <laughs> Erickson was so mad. Hammer was texting me about the things they were saying on the radio and mm -hmm. stuff. It's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you would be mad, right? Like, I mean, you've got this thing basically won twice, and twice you get the, you know, in, what was it? Was it three reds inside the final 20 laps, basically? I mean, it was just an incredible, I mean, again, as a fan, mm -hmm. very exciting. If you're the driver who didn't win, probably stinks. Hey, I wanted to get your reaction. I don't even know if you heard it or jewel singing the national anthem because uh, people were kind of divided on that after i heard it i felt like she she gave us all a little bit of a lullaby she had a different twist on it but at the end you know in the home of the brave it's supposed to be this big crescendo and then whoosh, the flyover yeah and it seemed kind of sleepy to me and the actual flyover that got a better reaction from the crowd was back home again in indiana because that was the surprise flyover well no this is more a thing for you casey because you know i tapped out on these crappy 90s women singers a long time ago mm -hmm. and this is your department you love the cheryl crows and the jewels and i think they all do i well you were okay. was, uh, very defensive uh, was that last week about this and so cheryl crow getting into the rock and roll mm -hmm. hall of fame mm -hmm. so I, i'll just just leave it up to you. Uh, I totally anticipated being completely underwhelmed by Jewel. I was, but I'm not offended by it because all these crappy 90s you, women singers aren't my bad. The expectations were set there. I will tell you that I think she sounded better in person at the track mm -hmm. than she did on the replay on TV sure. later that night. Right. So. Uh, okay. Uh, got a call, as I'm sure we'll be getting multiple of them coming into today after today's uh, show, about the debt ceiling. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the debt ceiling negotiation and the fact that McCarthy and Biden came to an agreement. Obviously, it's no surprise that they did that. I mean, I knew they were going to do it. And, Rob, you said from the very beginning they were gonna, that he was going to do it. And I knew from the start he would as well. And, of course, Jim Banks was so easily convinced, or at least he wanted to, be, to think that McCarthy would stand up for less spending. And he was telling us to leave Kevin alone. He's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, Jim, look what Kevin did. He basically did exactly what all of us, all of us who knew who this guy was, we all knew what he was going to do. And it's no surprise that he did that. And I would say not only that, I think you got to keep trying to get Jim on your show because I really would love to see his reaction to all of this. I mean, again, I already know he's not going to get on there because he's too chicken to go on there. But Jim, if you want my vote for Senate, go on the show, oh. explain yourself, explain why you voted for this. And maybe I'll take a listen. Mm. 
there is a better chance that Eric Holcomb waltzes his backside in here and ex- explains himself <laughs> than Jim Banks. Oh, my gosh. There's no way Jim Banks have the guts to come in here and Rob, answer this I question. Was, I was announcing the parade on Saturday. Yes. And Terry Stacy and I were doing it together. And uh-huh. We were taking ta- taking turns alternating back and forth. And when Eric Holcomb came, I had to do it. So did you go, let, let me uh, let me, let me do so it. Wanted, Lock down McGee. I didn't. I was nice. I played nice the whole can thing. I, can, can I, because I'm sure you did. Ladies and gentlemen, the governor of the state of Indiana, Eric Holcomb. Yeah. Can I do my rendition? <laughs> sure. Ladies and gentlemen, please turn your attention to the south end of the parade. Coming up next, please all extend a giant middle finger <laughs> to the governor of the state of Indiana, Malik Muhammad's best friend, Lockdown McGee, high tax Eric Holcomb. That was not in the script. Oh. That was not in it. Uh-huh. But, you know, to that caller's point, boy, that caller kind of sounded like Tony Kinnett to me. But um, Jim Banks, I, he's just, if he were to come on the show, he's just going to defend Kevin McCarthy. But he's not, but he is, there is no defense for Kevin McCarthy. And- Trust but me. he's going to keep singing that tune, though. Casey, every time these politicians come on, whether it's our show or me on with Hammer and Nigel, I mean, we all remember the Jim Lucas debacle last year. I mean, the Becky, Ca- the Becky Cash thing. They're not going to do it because they know how it ends. Because when they get called out, there's no excuse for their bull crap. When they have to actually... I mean, if you made Jim Banks right now out loud defend that debt ceiling... Based on his own tweets. I don't need anything else other than his own tweets. There's no way he can do it. He's not going to come on here because he's a fake, phony, tough guy. He doesn't really actually have cojones. And so Jim Banks never going to come in here and explain why he has lied to the people of the state of Indiana. Uh, We did get a call that I think we need to explain because the Trump people are mad at us because they keep accusing us of Trump bashing. And so I want to give this guy a forum. He's a fan of the show. He's called multiple times about this. I'm going to let him on, and then we're going to respond to his phone call. Rob, Rob, Rob. Uh, I don't know what to say. I really, I really don't. Love the show. Love the show. Listen to Kendall KT every day. Uh, oh, it's, Rob, enough with the Trump bashing. If you want to disagree with Trump, what he did, some of the things he did, I completely understand. But you're bashing him like he, like he's totally a, a, a terrible person. You know, like him or hate him, he was a great president. You cannot deny that. What he did about shutting the country down, he was doing off of what CDC and Fauci and everybody else was telling him. He didn't know anything about that virus anymore than anybody did. Nobody knew about that virus. Was it right? Evidently it was not right. <laughs> but you gotta bash him so hard. Yes. Donald Trump's behavior during COVID mm-hmm. deserves to be criticized. We are the show that tells you what is actually going on and what we think. And we, while we may have favorites, we are not afraid to criticize our favorites. That's not bashing to me, Casey. That's being critical mm-hmm. of what Donald Trump did during COVID. He turned it over to Fauci. And you know what? I've stated it before that, and to his point, nobody knew what COVID was, what it was going to do. There was a lot of hysteria and a lot of fear mongering surrounding it. Trump played into it, and he shut the country down. 
And my rights don't go out the window. The rights of American citizens don't go out the window just because a supposed uh, a virus of, of supposedly unknown magnitude is here in this country. Look, I say supposedly unknown magnitude because we knew about two weeks in what was going on. I mean, the data was pretty obvious. Who was at risk? Mm -hmm. Who was most vulnerable? And people our age could go to work. You're going to everybody's going to get it eventually anyway, which people did. There's not one lockdown or mask mandate or anything that prevented anybody from getting this thing. Everybody who was going to get it got it. The people who didn't have the comorbidities and were of, of a certain age, while, you know, it may have knocked you down, it may have been, you know, it was worse for some people than others. But everybody could have society could have continued to go on. Donald Trump was the was the catalyst for the shutdowns. Yeah. That's not that we should be being critical of that as liberty-minded people who revere the Constitution and the rights of citizens in this country. Donald Trump helped take those away from people. And Ron DeSantis is the one who said he kept looking at the data, he kept looking at the science, and he's the one who kept his state open. And it, it was a lonely place for him. Okay, real quick, I, we go into this forever, but I want to give that guy because he's a big fan of the show yeah. and, and appreciate him calling. So the the guy, the guy who always says he doesn't listen, but mm -hmm. then quotes exactly like things we're talking about. Is he not listening again? Well, so remember, his whole thing is he just calls about the one thing, which is how uh, he loves Trump and he hates us for mm -hmm. talking about nice about DeSantis or pointing out Trump's voting record. That enrages him. And now his new thing, is, remember he said, I, I just don't listen very much anymore, but he keeps calling about specific <laughs> things we're talking about on an almost daily basis. Well, he explained, Casey, oh. how he's able to do okay. that. Yes, take a listen. Yeah, Rob, I'm a lunatic moron. When I say I don't listen as much, I'm listening now. Yeah, when I'm in my car for 10 minutes, I pop you on and listen. But I used to listen to you in my office or stream you on my phone or if I got out of the radio um, the area up in the northern part of Indiana, I would listen, but I don't bother doing anymore. Okay, so he's he's still listening, just listening less. Do me a favor. When you're popping it on in your car for that 10 minutes, yes. go from 10 after till 20 after. That way we get credit for both quarter hours, <laughs> and that helps our ratings. So if you're only going to listen for 10 minutes, Boy, do it at that time. It's just amazing how he's able to just pinpoint exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. All right, uh, Hammer's next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Ten forty nine. Good morning. It is Kendall and Casey on ninety three WIBC. Hammer joins us in the studio. Big weekend for you on the consumption scale, from zero to Nigel. I thought it was about at a hammer. Turns out I was probably a fifty percent hammer. Yeah, I had my kids with yeah. me a lot this weekend, so I don't embarrass myself right. when I've technically still have to do dad duties. Mm -hmm. So had a few beverages at the race, um, but certainly not the amount I would have if I were with other adults. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not Nigel level. Right. Yeah. Right. Nigel level is a special level. <laughs> I love it's the danger zone. So Nigel got on a school bus to go to the race. So did I. And it's the shuttle system. Is that how it works? It's an actual school bus. Yeah. And he told us he was asking his dad to pass him beers on the shuttle bus heading into the race. <laughs> he texted him to do it because he was too much of a chicken bleep to say it out loud. So he sends his dad a text message, 
hey, could you pass a beer down the line? <laughs> told him it was like it was like Field of Dreams, but instead of having a catch, he's having his dad send beer. Right, right. Go the distance. <laughs> um, man, great day for a race, though, man. The weather was perfect all weekend long, and the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the security and the effort by the police departments of IMPD and Speedway and all the folks involved in that. 300,000-plus went in. And as far as I know, 300,000-plus went home that night. O Officer Brad, our buddy who works for Homeland Security, told me a couple weeks ago, because I said, man, that's a pretty big deal. He goes, it'll be fine. Yeah. He said he basically said that is maybe the most secure place in the entire world at, at that moment in time. And let this sink in for a moment. If given the green light to do their jobs, the police department can regulate 300,000 drunk, rowdy people in an orderly fashion. But when riots happen in downtown Indianapolis and Joe Hogsett and the city county council and all those good time party boys say, eh, just let them get it out of their system. You see what happens. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a great point, isn't it? I mean, that, I think that. How is that not in an ad if you're Jefferson Shreve? I mean, you just see this is why I should totally hire you. Right. I'm available. <laughs> I'm here to help. Like, I have a vested interest in this because I live in Indianapolis. Yeah. You know, my family is here. My grandparents are buried here. They're going to put me in the ground here one day. Let me help you because we can't have another four years of drunk McGee at the helm of the city. Um, Jewel. I don't care at all. I told Casey, you know how I feel about the crappy 90s women singers. I expected to get a crappy national anthem performance. I did. But I, I, I mean, I think that's what you get with her. She sounded like her, and I don't like her. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was Jewel singing the national anthem. That's what you would expect. Mm -hmm. What did you expect when you hired Jewel to sing the anthem? It's going to be folksy. I just thought it was long. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be that long. It was Sweet slow. mother of God, mm -hmm. it was long. Yeah, it felt like a lullaby. I did like the afterburners on the flyover after back home again in Indiana. That right. was something. That brought the energy back. Yeah. Uh, and again, the national anthem isn't designed to be like hearing ACDC do Thunderstruck, yeah. right? It's the national anthem. You pay your respect. You want to feel a little emotional, especially on Memorial Day weekend. It means so much to others. And Jewel did what Jewel does. She has her guitar. She sang it like a folk song. I just didn't expect it to be 19 minutes long. It was like Bleeding Gums Murphy in that Simpsons episode. For those who know what I'm talking about, when Bleeding Gums Murphy, the local blues guy in Springfield, yes. did the national anthem before a isotopes game, it started at like 7.30 and it ended at 7.56. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah, I just, that's why it just floors me that people are upset by this. That's how she sounds. She sucks. And I she mean, didn't go full Steven Tyler. She didn't change up the lyrics. Right. It wasn't, you know, like Roseanne scratching her crotch. It was Jewel doing the national anthem. Total missed opportunity, and he's not with us anymore, so he can't do it. But they should have absolutely, sporting events should have had Leslie Nielsen sing the national anthem. <laughs> Bunch of bombs in the air. Don't say. Can you imagine? an Indy 500 Enrico Palazzo chant, 300,000 strong. I like that it ended under green. I know some people are upset, some people being the Erickson uh, team. <laughs> right. But, I mean, if you're a fan and you're this race is put on for the fans, it is a business to make money, you can't end that race under yellow. Right. Now, if you're Erickson, you're thinking, whoa, when it was Tony Kanaan, they ended it under <laughs> yellow. If this was somebody that was you know, like a major fan favorite, if that were Ed Carpenter, 
Do you think they would have <laughs> ended that under yellow? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, somebody told me the other day that who went to the race, they said, okay, if that's the new norm, though, and they, and they just he said that's the problem. There is not a norm. It is, who you know, if it was Alio or, or right. Kanan or whoever, you know, they're, they're ending that thing under yellow. It's at the whim of the officials that day. But you're right, though. As a fan, I'm a paying customer. Mm -hmm. I pay for my tickets. I love where we sit at. It's awesome. I want to see a race to the finish. I don't want to see the, you know, yellow flag. And the purists get upset. It's the Indy 500, not the Indy 5. Whatever. I want to see a fast finish. Yeah. What's coming up this afternoon? Uh, so we've got Guy Relford coming in, uh, special Tuesday edition uh, with Guy Relford. Tony Katz will join us. And we'll talk about our experiences over the weekend. All right, Hammer, thank you so much for joining us. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.